0: Hi guys, I'm Jess and I'm Heidi and welcome to another episode of Betty Squared. Today we are looking at chapter 59, Fast Times at Riverdale High. Now, if you have been listening to us uh, in the past, you'd know that I always look up the episode titles of Riverdale because they always tend to play off of a movie of the same title now with this one it was funny because even when I was writing down my notes for this episode I accidentally wrote down Fast Times at Ridgemont High because that is obviously what this episode's title is a play on yeah. um, and I went back and I was like oh no no no, wait it's Fast Times at Riverdale High but it's based on Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh I went and had a look at what Fast Times at Ridgemont High was about. Um, I haven't actually seen the film. I just know of it to see if there were any similarities. And I don't know, Heidi, I'll read the synopsis and you tell me what you think. Yeah. It is uh, a 1982 film starring Sean Penn, and it's about a group of Southern Californian high school students who enjoy their most, that, who enjoy the most important subjects in life. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now, there were more uh, in-depth synopsises of this. Synopsis, synopsis, I don't know what the correct plural term is uh, for that, but they all sort of had the same undertone is that basically it's kind of the old school version of American Pie, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a teen, it's a teen comedy where it takes place at the high school and you get all the different stereotypes. I've never seen it, but like same as you, I knew of it. And I think there's a good amount of like fame, now famous people in it as well.
0: Yeah. I I have a feeling this was like a breakout film for some, some of the actors involved, but in, in regards to like yeah the general overview of this is yeah they're at high school and they're all just trying to have sex with one another that's kind of all the explanations of the film (laughs) said and I guess we could relate that to this episode for one particular scene but again I think it's just a play on the the title of the movie for this episode there's no similarities really
1: yeah and if there might have been a Team party scene that would correlate to Cheryl's party, so there, the general g- gist of it makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly, but not the closest uh, similarity we've ever had. So my first note about this episode is that this really is the premiere of season four.
1: Yeah, yeah, because there was. Did you notice there was no recap for
0: last episode, um, which I think was part. Well, I didn't realize that until I watched this episode and I was like, oh, hang on a minute. There was no recap last episode. So yeah. kind of like you and I, when we first started Betty Squared, did um, an episode, just a one-off episode called The B-Side, which was kind of like a look at the trailer for the upcoming season. It didn't really belong to any of the seasons and that's how I still feel about last week's episode of Riverdale that it needed to be done but it doesn't it doesn't particularly belong anywhere
1: yeah I feel that too
0: yeah but interesting though because that recap actually really helped me um I felt a little lost last episode because I was like wait this is the season four premiere and hang on where was who and why weren't they talking to each other and hang on what and so this little recap I was like oh got it okay so it helps sort of bring me back in
1: yeah yeah exactly and from the one thing because I had gone back and watched the last episode twice and I had also gone back and listened to our last episode of the season finale from last season to like get my head in the game um last time just for funsies. Um, But the one thing that I had missed that I was reminded from the recap was that not only is Betty parentless right now, her mother is gone at the farm, um, wherever that may be. And then her father died, which we got a touch of last episode when she visited his grave. And then, but from Mm -hmm. the recap, I remembered Veronica right now is parentless too, because both of her parents are in jail. I just, we saw them in jail, but I didn't think about it.
0: Me, me either. Like I, I miss that completely. Um, and then you know, in the recap where they they uh, show Hermione being uh, arrested for you know attempted murder or hiring you know a hitman, and then Hiram being uh, arrested because of uh, Veronica, you know, kind of uh, manipulating the situation and having him you know taken in. Pretty much everyone, except for Jughead, doesn't have a, uh, a parent figure in the picture. Well, Archie has his mom. Right, but, like, you know, we only see her every so often. I assume she's,
1: even though we didn't see her this episode, I don't know if there was we needed to. I assume she's probably in Riverdale now, not living in Chicago or whatever she had been before.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I Knowing Mary's character, as they've painted her out to be... I cannot believe that she would leave him alone. I really, really highly doubt that.
0: Yeah, I would doubt that too. But maybe this means we'll see um, we'll see her come back for more episodes. It won't just be, you know, one here, one there. Maybe if they shoot an episode uh, in the home, she'll be in the kitchen for a second. Or she'll be like, you know, checking on him when he's going to bed or something like that. Like just to give the illusion that, he is not on his own.
1: Yeah, I assume that that's probably what it'll be like, but...
0: Uh, I don't know if you caught it, and this maybe isn't just me being an old lady and, like, my motherly instincts coming out, but Jughead, in his his opening narration, makes this comment, we had dinner at Pops every night. First of all, where are they getting the money for that? And second of all... diner food every night well she owns it veronica right i know but like still you know if if she didn't where are they getting that money from but regardless they're eating diner food every single night veronica doesn't strike me as somebody who would do that
1: yeah i get what you mean but i i think pops would probably have a couple salads and since she does own it i bet she could stock it with like stuff that isn't too crazy also they're teenagers so I don't think they care
0: <laughs> so am I the only one then that's worried about her bottom line the fact that she's letting her friends eat there every night for free you know that's got to affect her. I think you are the only one <laughs> okay I'm just old and stupid and all of that stuff <laughs> Whoa,
1: you're going a little far there I did not say that
0: <laughs> no but like you know I, I, I think this is very much evident of my age and my upbringing that, you know, I've said things like this before and you're like, Jess, calm down, like, you know, but I think just, yeah, I'd be like, no, my bottom line, they can't eat here
1: every night for free. <laughs> she also has Le Bon Nuit, which I think makes her more money than Pops. So I think if maybe it was just Pops, we have that, but she's got other stuff going on. Okay.
0: Well, then I'm sure she's doing okay.
1: mean,
0: who knows? I don't own a a business, a business. So, you know, last episode um, during Luke's send-off, how we were like, oh, my God, are they all just sitting around drinking beer? And then we were like, oh, it's probably root beer or something like that. Um, I don't know if you noticed that Archie and Veronica, and I think Betty at one point, have wine glasses or like champagne flutes in their hands. Uh, When they're all sitting at Veronica's, um, you know, at, at the hotel, all talking about, oh, it's the last day of summer, blah, 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 before they all start making out and having sex with each other, you know?
1: Yeah, I didn't notice that, but that makes sense just for Veronica as well, like, that she'd be like, let's celebrate, let's cheers to our last day of summer and our first day of senior year. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, I I thought so too. But it was interesting because I was like, ha, if we were confused at any point whether these kids drink, there it is in plain sight.
1: Yeah, in this episode they do. And I mean, just like in any teen show, they tend to... Teenagers drink. I don't necessarily, at least in my group of friends, we didn't drink as much as teens drink on TV. But they do drink, like... I did when I was, like, 14. Whoops. Maybe 15.
0: <laughs> no, I did, too. It was just interesting that, you know, we were discussing it last week, and then this week I'm like, there it is. Okay. If we had any confusion, it has been resolved.
1: Yeah, they, they made it clear in this episode. So, my, one of my questions this episode was, Have we gotten? A, are we sure that Charles is Charles? Are we sure this time? Are we certain? Like, have we done a maternity slash a paternity
0: test for him? both preferably that is exactly how I'm feeling too I'm like is he he says he is
1: I have this weird feeling that he's someone else's kid that he's not Charles and he's trying to get to Alice for some reason or he, there's something else going on like I I don't I think he's someone I feel like he's someone else's kid and I'm hoping I'm wrong because I'm kind of that's we've kind of seen that storyline, but. I just had this feeling he's not who he says he is and I don't know.
0: I don't know. I have the same feeling. I actually have the, that feeling about another character, uh, another new character, but we'll, we'll approach that, you know, in a little bit. But yeah, I had the same feeling. I'm like, is this person actually who he says he is? Yeah. I think they have like, beat storyline to death that this guy needs to be Charles. But again, yeah, it seems like there's there's just this instant trust.
1: Yeah, there's obviously been some sort of bond that Betty and Charles have made this summer that we haven't seen yet, um, which I like. I think it's sweet. I would really enjoy if he's really her brother and that she gets to have a big brother and they get to take care of each other and stuff like that. That would be really nice. It's going to be interesting to see what Jughead's relationship is with him because they don't seem to have one, but Betty and him definitely do. But, yeah, I'm Mm. curious what way this is going to go. Not sure.
0: Yeah, likewise. Very, yeah, very um, suspicious. But, again, I feel like they've they've overdone that storyline if this is still not Charles. And I think perhaps... You know, even though we have our suspicions, I don't think they're going to prove to be correct because you know how um, Betty made that comment last season where she was like, I feel like I know you when she met Charles for the first time. I don't remember, but that's a good reminder. Oh, okay. I think that was put in there to kind of put those fears of maybe he isn't who he says he is at bay, but...
1: Only time will tell. Yeah, only time will tell. Really. So my next note's funny. Um, when Cheryl is talking with Jason, who is kept behind a a see through gate, you know that's smart. Um, when she's talking with Jason in the morning before the first day of her first day of school, and she's asking him which dress to choose, I couldn't help but be like struck by how much the red dress looked like a little orphan Annie dress
0: that's hysterical
1: it's a it's like straight from the comic like little orphan annie straight from the cartoon straight from the movies when she gets that nice red dress with the white collar and has that belt on it i was like dang
0: <laughs> well the first thing that i realized i was like wow that red dress is a t-shirt oh because it's short it was so short, and then the other dress, the um, like the the white one, I think it is. I was like, "That's much more appropriate. That's got a little bit of length to it." <laughs> well,
1: she is a youngin.
0: They like them short, and you know what? I was going to say she's got some rockin' legs, and if I had a body like that, I would wear dresses that look like t-shirts too. <laughs> it's so strange with with Cheryl because um. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when she is talking to the new principal, um, Mr. Honey, you know, she's talking about the school dance and, you know, after the death of my brother, the school dance really helped me and blah, 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 blah. She, there has to be some kind of mental break there. And I know we touched on that last week, but there's no way somebody can switch between talking to their dead brother's body and then pretending like they're dead in real life.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that definitely shows just how like off she is to me. And also if I, I, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, when they had a dance, when after like air quotes, Jason died was that before or after they had actually found his body?
0: Oh, gosh. Because I, th- I could not tell you. Because
1: I think I think when they first had the dance, or at least when she first pushed to have the dance, because I remember that there was like a scene where she was like, no, we need to do the dance. Da, 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 da. It was before they found his body. So she thought he was still alive.
0: I literally am, like, completely drawing a blank. I have absolutely no memory of the dance.
1: I think that at least when she pushed to have the dance, it was before they found the body. Because they find the body at the end of the first episode, right?
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes,
0: yes, when he walks up. is
1: total BS or mis... Like, either she's lying or it's miscontinuity on Riverdale writing's, like, part because she was totally fine to have a dance because she did not know her brother was dead.
0: Right. I mean, we've, we've noted before that continuity is not exactly Riverdale's forte. No, it is not. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling it might just be one of those things.
1: Yeah. I just thought that was a funny thing. Um, a funny little thing. For sure. Um, so I don't know about you, but Mr. Honey um, or Principal Honey, I guess. Gives me those vibes from the principals in Buffy. Like, he's totally, like... He's totally a principal who's gonna get killed. You know what I mean? Principal Snyder? From Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, I feel like there were multiple principals who died on her on Buffy. But I'm getting those vibes.
0: Yeah. There were. There were... Uh, well, there were... Yeah. No, there were only two. There were two principals that died, I think on Buffy, but the first one, um, was really nice. And then the second one was, yeah, an asshole. Yes. Okay. So, you know, they're late, they come in and they meet principal honey for the first time. So I barely listened to that scene because I was like, why do I know that face? And then I realized it's Kerr Smith who was on Dawson's Creek and who was on, um, nope, it's escaping me. I was like, who is that guy? Why do I recognize him? And then I was like, oh. (laughs) And then the second time I watched the episode through, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad I went back and realized what was going on. But, yeah, he has come in with a real vendetta a real obvious vendetta and yeah I'm kind of not sure why yeah like what's what's his problem like what's he hoping to achieve yeah he's just like at
1: this point he's just a total bummer so I'm (laughs) curious to see if we get to get any because we didn't really get to know Mr. Weatherby well at all um he was just kind of bipolar about his decisions about Riverdale High and stuff like that for the sake of writing and things like that. But I'm curious to see with Principal Honey if we're going to get any, like, reasoning for his sternness and for bummer total bummerness. So I guess we'll just have to see. I feel like he's... Hopefully we get a reason. Hopefully he's been wronged by, you know, all the parents or something. He went to high school with them. I don't know. Something like that. Because I need, I need more.
0: Yeah, I need more too. And... I'm a little upset with the way that they've introduced him only because he is such a stereotype of a principal we would see on a TV show about the like angsty teenage kids. I, I wish they had gone for something a little bit more subtle. He could still be the bad guy and he could still have his ulterior motive, but I wish they came at it from a different angle. It was just too on the nose for me.
1: Yeah. And it's much more, it's much more scary and kind of sinister. If he had come at the kids when they were late and they were like, oh, so you must be your name, your name, your name, your name. I've heard a lot about you. And they say something about being sorry. And like Veronica's like, it won't happen again. He's like, oh yeah, I'm sure it won't. Like, and like, is more sinister that way. And He's like, because I'm gonna crack, and then he says something like a little bit more stern and stuff like that. Um, that makes things a little more interesting, a little more dynamic. But just being like out the gate a dick, eh?
0: All right, he's just a dick. Yeah, it's a bit. Um, it's a bit like they're telling us how to feel about this character, whereas you know most of these characters, like look at. Um, Look at, uh, oh, God, what was that chick's name? The one that in season one, the teacher, the the, uh, music teacher. Yeah, Miss uh, Grundy. Miss Grundy. Look at her. She was a bad character. She was a child predator. But they introduced her in such a romantic sense that what she was actually doing with her students you know, wasn't the like it was it was like the reveal that she was like a serial child predator versus us just seeing that straight away. Yeah, yeah. It was more nuanced. And it's just putting, you know, faith into the viewer that they're sensible enough to come up with a decision on their own versus just getting, you know, a a strong character setup. Yeah. 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 You never know with Riverdale and this might all be a ploy. It might be like next episode we find out he's also a secret FBI undercover agent and he's there to protect kids and he thought this was the best way to do it. You know, it could completely flip.
1: Yeah, I would prefer that. I I kind of anticipated there being some sort of flip he being, him being someone's secret uncle or something weird like that, him trying to actually look out for the kids, but we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I still, speaking of like undercover FBI agents, I still cannot wrap my head around the fact that Alice, nutty, nutty Alice, who they've had no idea what direction she's going in since the beginning of Riverdale all those years ago is an FBI undercover agent like that's just baloney
1: yeah it's 100% baloney there's a line in it and I made a note about it which I can't find now but they they made a comment about Charles is like you exposed when when okay it's when Betty talks to Kevin and she tells Kevin about her mom and he's like you exposed an undercover FBI agent I'm like no no she's not she's 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 not an FBI agent she's just not (laughs) I, I hate it. And I'm not gonna go on about it because if uh anyone would like to hear me rant about Alice, I have a pretty I feel pretty uh strongly still about my rant in the season finale of last season. Um because when <laughs> I re- but I heard it again, I was like, Yeah, I still feel exactly that way. That is exactly still how I feel. So you can go back and listen there, but it yeah, she she's just crappy. I don't I don't yeah, not interested in Alice. And she's not an FBI agent. I don't care what they say.
0: Yeah, and I'm still so mad at the writers because uh, of that line that Veronica had in the season finale where she was like, so your mom's an FBI, you know, has been undercover for the FBI? That kind of tracks. I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It does not track like Alice, we all know when a little cuckoo after, you know, all the stuff with hell and, you know, join the farm, you are trying to redeem this character who you have not done justice for, you know, since the show started. You're now trying to, you know, build her up into this character that, you know, has a a, a backstory and a purpose and everything when you should have just done that to her in the first place.
1: Yeah. They've given us no depth for her ever. I mean, we're beating a dead horse at this point, so I feel like we should move on to new stuff. But uh, yeah, just fuck Alice. I don't give a fuck about Alice. I'm done with
0: Alice. <laughs> oh my god, you're hysterical. I'm, I'm gonna have to put like a explicit warning on yeah. uh, on the episode when I post it to make sure that our y- young listeners' ears aren't uh, aren't tainted by your your putty mouth.
1: <laughs> this is real life.
0: Watch HBO. <laughs> oh, my God, you're hysterical. Um, what did you think of the fact that Betty is kind of a bit black and white with Kevin? So, again, I know we said last episode is a standalone episode and it, it can't really be put with any season. But if we take it off on face value where we go, okay, this is the season for premiere Last episode, Kevin is heavily involved with everybody else. You know, he's there to support um, Archie and, you know, share his thoughts and his feelings um, about Fred's passing. But then in this episode, when he approaches Betty, Betty, Betty physically moves away because she's frightened of him. And she says something along the lines of, you dragged me by the ankles to get a lobotomy. Why wasn't yeah, she alone so last episode?
1: I would say because she was surround she wasn't alone in a room with him. She was outside, she was with their other friends. She probably wasn't the one who invited him. I do think it's a little weird that he was there. Um but I get it. They wanted the whole cast to be involved. I think that's more of just like a a show thing and not a plot actual Riverdale thing. They wanted the whole cast to be able to have that catharsis and I get that. Um but I think just, like, an easy excuse would probably be she wasn't alone in a room with him. She was surrounded by her boyfriend, Archie, Reggie, people who would not let him hurt her um, if he was planning to do that. And even though he did drag her to <laughs> to get that lobotomy, um, he didn't physically hurt her, you know? Like, he didn't physically, like, attack her or hit her or whatever. Um, so maybe she felt like he wouldn't do that now, even though she didn't trust him. And also... I- I felt, this, I felt confused at first. I was like, oh, why, why is Betty being so, you know, cold to him and stuff like that? And then when she said the lobotomy thing, I was like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, because I'd forgotten
0: about that, too. I was like, wait. I, I was like, they're best friends. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because Kevin was a douchebag and, like, literally tried to have, you know, to uh, try to drag her to her death.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, basically. I mean, and I, I I think the the best reminder was in the recap in the beginning when we hear him say that they left without him, that he was totally willing to go with them. He was totally loyal to the farm, but for whatever reason, they left him behind. Um, so I don't know. I think that I'm interested to see how that comes into play. Why was he left behind when he was such, like, a loyal follower, in my opinion? um. So we'll just have to see. But that that was definitely a good reminder that he, he shouldn't be trusted. He was totally loyal to the farm.
0: You know what it is? I've worked it out. I've worked out why they left him behind. Are you ready? Brace yourself for this epiphany. Okay. He is an undercover FBI agent.
1: Oh, get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's just going to be my excuse now. When it comes to the farm and people acting weird, it's because they're undercover. That's just going to be my go-to now.
1: Yeah, my thought was maybe they bugged him. Maybe they're using him and he doesn't know. Like, he's, like, sort of 00, like 007 sort of thing. Um, not the FBI, but the farm. But who knows? It seems so weird, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really, oh God, it's, I mean, it's typical Riverdale. I mean, how many times are we just, you know, frustrated by um, these episodes because we want more information quicker than they're willing to give it to us?
1: Yeah, every time. That's a trademark of Riverdale.
0: It is. And it's something that you and I are always going to discuss. And then we're going to have to just let bygones be bygones and just wait to see what happens
1: yes a test of patience as well that's also very riverdale
0: it is very much so because it's a slow burn but it's usually with a really big reveal yeah hopefully hopefully exactly uh my next note is yes mr chipping or chippen i'm not quite sure what his last name is i am such a huge fan of that actor Um, I loved him um, on, oh, my God, and the name's just escaped. He played the vampire. His vampire's name was Aiden. Humans. Being human. Being human. He was was in the American version of that show, and I was all about him. Um, I love, I I mean, they revealed at, I think, Comic-Con that he was coming uh, to be in this season, and I'm about it. But, again, I don't trust him something is up with him
1: yeah i mean yeah i i it's funny i love i love when this happens it just shows that he's you know he's good and this guy also has a really specific look to him and i've always felt like or
0: does yeah
1: yeah i mean he's very attractive and but he's also like so different looking it's really interesting Um, which makes me think he should work more. But I recognize him from Once Upon a Time. He played Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I was like, look, it's him again. So that was cool to see him. I'm really interested to see... I have have two varying thoughts on the prep school story. So let me know what you think as well. I think it's interesting. I'm curious to see what we're going to do with that. But it's also that thing again that Riverdale's doing where they're repeating storylines. Even though this was... Jughead's choice to do this this time he's still being pulled away to another school because that's all they can figure out to do with Jughead like
0: I, I, like do they just not know what else to do with him or is this a setup for something bigger to come
1: I mean hopefully that's what it is but I'm just feeling at this moment it just feels like repetitive again you know
0: it certainly does feel repetitive but I think that this has a greater purpose than um, perhaps we're giving it credit for. Obviously, this is the setup to him, you know, going missing or whatever uh, that they're alluding to with these, you know, flash forwards. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. Um, I initially was like, no, please don't pull Jughead away. Why have they all got to be separated? But I know it's for you know a higher purpose of of you know intrigue for the show.
1: Yeah, I, I think maybe the thing I don't like about it as well as them pulling Jughead away is that that guy I don't even know his name the t- the tour guide um, who kept calling him Forsyth was such a dick. I didn't like him.
0: No, and speaking in that like phonish almost British accent, but not quite. And when he's like, when Jughead's like, call me Jughead, and he's like. I prefer Forsythe. That's great. I have asked you to call me jughead. So that is what you will call me, you fucking twat.
1: Yeah, that's not um that's not how names work. Uh it's not about what you like. <laughs> so
0: exactly. It's like you you talk to me and respect me like I would respect you. Yeah. And just because <laughs> you go to this fancy, out. fancy school doesn't mean you, yeah, it doesn't mean you get to call me whatever you feel like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like that guy, so we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what happens. But do you want to know a funny thing? I don't know if you saw this from the Comic-Con coverage, um, but they were talking about that last scene of last season where they're in the woods and um, they burn all their clothes and they burn Jughead's hat. Yeah. And the only reason why Jughead wasn't there, and that now they're turning it into a whole storyline, I suppose, Um of Jughead being missing and things like that they're just gonna go with it but the only reason he wasn't there for that scene was because it was super cold out and Cole said no
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what a little prima donna I kind of like love him even more for that comment that's so him
1: yeah he just wouldn't do it he, he was like nah not gonna do that and so he did not
0: I can only hope that one day I am at that point in my career where I am like, no, I will not do that and I don't lose my job and I'm still awesome and I'm still on this awesome TV show. Oh, God, I aspire to be like Cole. They make it a full storyline in the next season. (laughs) I mean, did Cole say that himself or was that the rest of the cast saying that on his behalf? Um, I mean, Lily said it
1: when I I watched it, but I think it was said a couple times and I think he was, uh, I think he did say something about it. I'd have to go back and check, but I remember it being a context in which I was like, oh no, this is legit. And like everyone, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. They were talking about how silly it was that everyone, oh, Jughead's dead, Jughead's dead. They were like, no, Cole just was
0: cold and he didn't want to do it. (laughs) Just a little, like on that same note. Um... I am obviously working Halloween Horror Nights at the moment and, um, you know, I, I'm i entertaining people and taking them around to different houses so, you know, they can experience all the, um, all the haunted houses inside of this theme park for the season. And we have Jordan Peele's Us, which is my favorite house on property because I think Jordan Peele is incredible and he has a really uh, strong message that he... He wants to deliver, and when we get to the US house, I always, you know, speak to um my guests, and I'm like, "Hey, this is what it's about." Blah 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 blah. Last night, and I know that there's heaps of controversy about this online as well. Last night, uh, one of my guests was like, "What's with all the bunnies in the US film?" and I had done a lot of research about this because I also was curious and there's all these fan theories and conspiracy theories about what these bunnies mean in his films. And uh, Jordan apparently was interviewed and somebody said, you know, why are all these bunnies in your films? And he was just like, oh, I just don't like bunnies. I thought they were scary. So I put them in my film. (laughs) It's kind of like the same situation where we're all like, Jughead's gonna die and where is he? He's missing and Cole's like, No, it's cold, I just didn't wanna do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. This the answer just tends to be so much simpler than than the deep and it makes it that sort of thing always makes me think of like back in English class in high school where the teacher's like, so what meanings, what motifs and themes can you pull from To Kill a Mockingbird? And if you asked Harper Lee, she'd be like, yeah, no, it's about racism. And it, that's the
0: story. Like, End of. And that was my biggest hate when um, I was at school. I loved English class. That was like my favorite class because I loved reading and I loved writing. But at the same time, I was like, we're not supposed to delve this deep into these books. No one wrote it thinking all of this stuff that we're you know taking from reading this. The author wrote it because they had a story that they wanted to tell and now you're you're tearing it apart and you're interpreting it in a different way and I, I hate that.
1: Well, for me, it's more like I don't like if someone goes, Okay, so the themes in this poem are this, this, this. These are the right answers, and they're the only answers because this is what the, the writer intended. You have no unless the writer says it, like, uh, like in us with the bunnies, or like in Riverdale with the with the hats and stuff like that. Unless the person who created it says, like, oh yeah, I did want to kind of delve into the themes of this and that, da da. When I was writing, that is something I thought about. You have no way of knowing. You can't put your own beliefs on what someone else created, you just can't do that. It doesn't work. And it doesn't and it's not right to do that and then to judge a class of people on if they get those answers right or wrong. Like that's that's the folly of our education system. But I do think it's great to look into something like we're doing with Riverdale or like Harry Potter and the Sacred Text does. They turn Harry Potter into a sacred text. And the the way that people can find resemblances to themselves and help them work through issues with that is really lovely. I, I, a short life thing that really moved me in a recent Harry Potter and the Sacred Text um, episode, I think it was the last one that just came out, which I don't know what it was. Um, They're on the sixth book. And the person who called in and left a voicemail was talking about how they have some uh, guilt because they work as a nurse and someone that they were taking care of committed suicide on their watch and they found them. Yeah. And, um, she was, she had seen similarities between herself and Tonks because Tonks after the, uh, fifth book, she blames herself a bit for Sirius's death. Um, so she was kind of drawing some semblance around that situation and sharing it with the podcast and stuff like that. I'm here for like, if, if, books and literature and entertainment should help you emotionally it shouldn't hinder you emotionally um and you should be you know finding those things in it but if you're telling a class like the right answer to to kill a mockingbird is only this theme or this motif then
0: you can get you can get the fuck out (laughs) yeah exactly exactly i i completely agree yeah it's just yeah I just hated that part about being in school and, you know, write a thousand words on the the messages that this story delivers. It's like, it's a story. The writer wrote it because they're passionate about telling this story. Why do we have to break it down? Yeah. But, which I also love that we're saying this and you and I literally break down every episode of Riverdale. Like, that's literally what we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think breaking down stuff is great. It's just telling people my answer is the only right one. That's when stuff gets bad. And I mean, it's funny that we're having this conversation too because it's the same sort of conversation that Jughead has with that class, that mini class session um, when he get, when he visits that prep school. Right. Um. Oh, as we're talking about prep school and about that weird guy whose name I don't know, when he... When he, all of his things towards Betty were weird. And then when he said, I bet, <laughs> this is the exact quote, I bet you've got a lot to say about Moby Dick. I was like, what? Are
0: you, what? <laughs> Who says that? Yeah, I thought it was something a little weird as well.
1: It was <laughs> so weird.
0: Yeah, it it was very strange. Um, and her response was even stranger. I mean, she was just
1: kind of like, ah. Uh not really.
0: I'm going to go. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It was, yeah, it was, it was funny. Oh, we haven't talked at all about Reggie. Oh, good. I was hoping you wanted to bring that up because I literally have one of my notes that says, do we want to talk about Reggie and his dad? Because this is obviously quite Um. a serious topic. And I've got some pretty strong opinions about how I Feel about how the show is handling it
1: um sure I mean do you want to go first you want me to go first
0: well the only thing I really want to say is that you know obviously Reggie is in a terrible situation um and Archie being yeah. Archie is getting involved where he doesn't belong but you know we've seen that from him a million times over what really didn't sit right with me is the fact that you know after Reggie takes the baseball bat to his dad's car the next time he sees Archie Archie is like oh you know how did things go with your dad and Reggie says it started it, exactly what it was supposed to do it started a conversation between the two of us mm, it just didn't sit right with me because that's not really how things work
1: yeah the unfortunate thing about especially abusers and especially physical abusers, um, and it's true in emotional abuse too, um, is that when, when they're confronted like that, it's, it's very hard for someone who is in that cycle of abuse, uh, and is the abuser to, to make that change, especially without any sort of, um, therapeutic help or anything like that. So I find it really hard to believe that that him smashing the car in a very Ferris Bueller style way that felt very Ferris Bueller to me. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to, that's going to create a lasting effect. That's going to help Reggie. I think the only thing for Reggie and Reggie's mom probably would be to get out, get away from his dad. Um, I did like about that storyline that when Archie did confront his dad he got very protective of his dad because there. I like that they showed there is that love that um, someone who is abused has for their abuser. That's like Stockholm sort of syndrome thing, um, because that's very true and accurate, especially for someone who's not willing yet to uh, admit that they're being abused um, in that way, which Reggie was not. Right. Um, so I, I liked that. I liked that part of it. Thought that was very true and something we don't see often enough.
0: Yeah, again, I I completely agree with you. Um, it is very difficult to sit down with somebody and have an open conversation about, hey, so you're hitting me and I don't like that. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, I th- yeah. think I may have told you this before, but I was in a relationship when I was a teenager. That started off emotionally abusive and I somehow convinced myself that I deserved it because I was a bad person and all the bad choices I had made in my life up to that point, this was my punishment for it. Yeah. Which is very common for abusive. Abuse. Right. Exactly. And it did end up turning physical And I remember uh, the first time that he hurt me was actually in public. Uh, I was like teasing him about something like in a joking way. And he just smacked me across the face. Wow. We sat down and we talked about it at that point because it was like a spare of the moment decision, like, you know, a snap decision that he didn't give any thought to or so I thought, you know, at the time. So we sat down and we talked about it, but it did not stop, yeah. you know, the, the, the problem that was there. Um, it actually got to a point where he broke my foot oh. at one point, And I, again, was so weak that I stayed with him.
1: No, no, no. That's not you being, that's you being an abusive relationship where he had manipulation and power over you. And you did the only thing you could at that time. You were not
0: weak. Oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 even looking back, I don't think I was weak. I think I was scared and I didn't know how, how to handle the situation and it took another year. And then eventually I left him and, you know, I've recovered from the experience. I'm with a wonderful man now that I've been with for 10 years and I love him and I can't imagine life without him, but Coming from a relationship like that, and then seeing something like what Reggie's dad is doing to him in the show, it it just didn't sit right with me. I'm like, this is not going to solve the problem. And I wish that we had seen something more drastic from Reggie to show people who might be in a similar situation how to get help and how to walk away. It's
1: difficult in, like, in TV to handle these, like, really huge subjects. This is really, like, something that's huge and affects so many people. To put a little simple button on it and to say that him destroying his dad's car didn't get him killed. Like, if someone does that in real life, if a kid takes that and is like, yeah, my dad's hitting me. And he really likes this car. He loves this car. So if he destroys his dad's car, his dad might murder him.
0: Like, it's not what i was worried about. That's what I was concerned was going to happen to him. And um, I, was, I was blown away when Reggie's like, yeah, it's, it did exactly what we were hoping it would do. We sat down and we had a conversation. I'm like, oh, no. And I think a show like Riverdale, like, you look at any of the CW um, shows, they do tend to target a younger market. This is when the shows have a duty of care. If they are going to bring something as serious as domestic violence uh, into the show, they have a duty of care to show people how to deal with it in a safe way. Yeah. And I don't think they did that successfully in this episode and I'm really bummed about it.
1: Yeah, I think it would have made much more sense for this to be a longer arc. Um, if they had left it with um, Reggie blowing up at Archie on the field and then maybe getting a little too drunk at the party and then kind of left it there um, and we didn't necessarily get a button to it. We got to see more of him dealing with his dad and it escalating and him finally, you know, walking away and doing what's best for him, maybe getting his mom involved you know, that's that's how you ha- respectfully and um, carefully handle this situation. Just doing a simple button like this. I want to be surprised. I hope there's kind of, I actually genuinely hope there's more of a, a backlash to this episode about this. Not that I want bad things to happen to Riverdale like as a show, but I think that they really didn't do this well. I think they did this very poorly.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I didn't really write notes on it. I more just was like, Mm, how do we feel about this
1: yeah yeah because there was one part of it that was that I think was interesting to see and I think a good thing to put um in a story about uh, abusers and things like that but the ending it like that was really poor
0: yeah I think so too and um I kind of hope that they pick it up next episode and show people how to deal with a situation like that yeah, I agree. But yeah, I'm um, I'm glad you're on board with me for that because, you know, th- the situation that I came from is in no way um, as bad as some people have it. But it still happened. And I was still in a situation where I didn't know how to get help for a really long time. And I wish, I just wish the show had given it.
1: Yeah. And you don't have to quantify, you know, how bad you're quantifying abuse or quantifying hurt or pain or whatever. It never doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody else. So don't, you don't have to quantify you. You were in a shitty situation and I'm sorry for that.
0: Thanks. I mean, it's, it's taken a long time and, um, you know, I, I still find myself like my husband and I will be doing something. We'll be out somewhere and I'm like, oh, and this like memory of my time with this this guy uh will pop back into my head and I'm like oh did I tell you about the time that my ex did to this like it's a lot of it's kind of blocked out a lot of it I've worked through but yeah I mean like when you're a kid it's it's just so hard you just don't know what you're supposed to do and when you're in situations like that it's very very hard to handle it on your own yeah definitely but anyway, enough about traumatizing pasts. Let's let's look forward. And one fun thing I wanted to talk about this episode um, is, you know when Betty and, uh, no, no, sorry, not Betty, when Cheryl and Tony are walking down the hall handing out their invites and there's that really funky song that's like, um, you know, and Archie and Betty and Reggie and blah, blah, blah. I uh, looked that up because I was like, oh, I wonder if this is from like, you know, the comics or, you know, how they, how Archie's always singing in a band. I'm like, I bet you this relates to it, the classic um, stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, what I found and I was like, oh my God, this is like a full circle moment is that uh, that is a song called jingle jangle oh by the archies oh so yes it is related to you know the the classic um archie comics and everything like that uh the archies i believe was the name of archie's band in the comics oh i'm not sure that's a guess because again i'm i'm not far into the comics enough to know the ins and outs of everything um but the fact it's called Jingle Jangle. Yeah. I love that. I love that we're past the Jingle Jangle story, but in all my research and all the stuff that I've, you know, worked on and looked at and read, I never made this connection that Jingle Jangle was the name of a song.
1: The song itself is about like a party.
0: Right, exactly. So it just, it was just such a nice full circle moment that I wish I had realized earlier but i guess it wouldn't have had the same effect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a fun at first i was like wait what? And like the names all the names at once i was like wait, huh? and it like took me a second um to like realize what was going on, but it was cool.
0: Yeah. Um i only have a couple or a couple of other um, things in regards to this episode, but one thing I do want to say, and I bet you knew this was coming. I don't know why. I just, I just feel like you were like, "Yep, I was waiting for Jess to mention it." I hated, hate, hate, hated with a passion. Veronica's "All That Jazz" song before her press interview. Hated. Oh,
1: it. I totally thought actually. But now that you bring it up, I'm, I don't know. I don't think I have a strong feeling of it either way.
0: I mean, okay. I knew what they were going for. They're obviously doing a very Chicago-esque setup. up. Um, for those of you listening who uh, are a little confused, I'm talking about Chicago, the musical, uh, where Roxy Hart is arrested for the murder of um, the man that he's having an affair with. And, not only that, but other characters had these little asides during the musical where they talk to the press and it's overlaid with with different songs and things like that. And so they sort of tell their story through songs. So I totally got what this setup was, but I was like, oh no. Like when she's like, okay, fine, fine. I will hold a press conference tonight, but not before I do a musical number, I'm like, no, Veronica, nobody does that. Nobody does a musical number from Chicago and then sit down and talk about her family's incarceration.
1: Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be Veronica. I'm surprised that they had that choreographed and ready to go that quickly. There was some for me that it my main issue, I didn't mind that it was there. Um for context for all that jazz and for Chicago, all that jazz is the first song in the show. Um, and it's from Velma Kelly, um, which is very much who it's it correlates very well to me, um, who Veronica is I think she's a really a perfect film of telly. I think that really works um, I think her singing it I think she did well I think there were moments
0: she would, she would be great.
1: yeah and I think there's moments in the choreography that are decent I, I'm not an expert on like in any way shape or form of, of Fosse, which is the style of dance that is done in Chicago um, but there was something off about it to me, and that was maybe my main qualm, that it existed and that it was there before her uh, like cut in between her like press conference thing didn't bother me too much, but it was just kind of weird. I don't know. Like most musical moments yeah. on Riverdale. Just kinda weird.
0: Yeah, it was um it was out of place. And the thing that was a str- that was strange as well is that um Camilla has a beautiful singing voice. I don't know whether this song just wasn't in her register or something. It wasn't her best work. She sounded like she was an actress that could sing, not an actual singer. And I have heard her sing before and she's amazing. Um, so for me, it just all just fell yeah, short. Yeah, it was just
1: kind of weird. And I think that's generally just what it's like, on Riverdale, with the musical stuff, because I don't think they've ever decided like, what they are in terms of music. Like, at first, in the first season, there's like, some dancing, the Pussycats, and there's some, like, Archie's songs and things like that. And then it turned more into, like, these weird musical sequences where it's like, them using these songs to transmute their feelings to camera. And it's like, okay, you're getting into, like, musical theater territory. Like, what do you want to be? And they, they just don't know. Like, they have no idea what they want to be.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh, anyway, that was just that was just a qualm I had. I was just like, this just didn't work for me.
1: Yeah, I feel that. Um, This isn't random and weird, but it bothered me. Um, so this episode in particular, Betty was wearing some really tight little sweater shirts, which were really cute. I'll get, like.
0: They were really course.
1: cute, not really appropriate for August or September when it's, <laughs> not, but very cute. Um. But one of the last ones she wears, it's a blue sweater shirt and it has like pink and white stripes and it's see-through. It's
0: oh, I miss that. It's
1: 100% see-through. I could totally see her bra. Um, which is fine. I think that's cute. I like wearing stuff like that. It's like a little see-through. You can kind of see my bralette. I'll make sure to like wear a cute little bralette if that's a thing I'm trying to do. But like, I don't think that was on purpose. And I think that's a really weird oversight by every single person who would have given a pass on this episode.
0: Okay, I'm going to have to go back and watch that because I have to admit I missed it. Um, I did notice the, the tops that they put her in um during this episode and I actually thought that they they all made her look very busty they were very tight and cropped and you know she's she's not huge chested but they made her look quite big and again I don't know if that is um I yeah I don't know if it's like something they've done deliberately or it's just a costuming thing I mean she looked great in all of them um, but that was one thing that caught my attention. I was like, wow, she, she's like busty this episode.
1: Yeah. Cause they were so tight. Yeah. And I could just totally see her bra and it was in the scenes with, it was like one of her last outfits. Um, I know it was definitely scenes with Charles. It's just this like little blue shirt with pink and white stripes.
0: All right. Yeah. I'm just going to have to go back and look because I definitely, definitely did not see that
1: yeah I just thought it was so weird especially just there's so many people that would have given that outfit a pass and given the episode a pass with her wearing that top and I just thought that was a really weird oversight and it, it doesn't seem intentional there's no reason why she would want to be looking extra sexy to see her brother but I don't know it was weird
0: yeah all right I'll come back to you on that one yeah it was very weird well the last comment that I have for this episode is Mr. Honey or Principal Honey has absolutely no idea what he is messing with now that he's crossed Cheryl.
1: Oh yeah, the bees! Oh my gosh, that was crazy.
0: That was an impressive hive.
1: Yeah, that was very, very uh, ridiculous, very cartoonish. And I, a thought that I had while we were talking about this: Miss. So the so Mr. Honey says no to the school dance. Cheryl says screw you, we're going to do this, uh, we're going to have a party. And she passes out invitations very publicly in the hallway and even makes like a comment to him about it. And then he calls the cops on her to end the party. And the really simple solution to all that is just Cheryl being a little more incognito. (laughs) If he didn't know about the party, then he wouldn't have called the cops on her and she would be fine. So anything that she does in the future just needs to not be so obvious. But then she puts a beehive in his office so we know that Cheryl's not subtle.
0: I was about to say, nothing about Cheryl Blossom is subtle. There is no way she'd be like, hey, keep this on the down low, but come to my party. She's gonna be like, fuck you, world, here I am.
1: I know. That the thing about that though is that she's not like she's gonna just keep getting met with like him being a dick, so
0: I I think she can handle him though. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Oh man. oh god did you have any other ep- uh, notes on this episode
1: um my last note for the episode was uh that's not how you search for someone who's missing in the woods but okay sure <laughs> it's a tv show so we'll give it to him jughead 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 when you're searching for someone who's missing you don't all yell at once you yell you give them time to respond and then you yell again like it's not like chaos running into the woods with dogs and People or whatever, but I get the drama.
0: I get they it. need to show um like the urgency of the matter. It's it's TV after all. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. But it's just like ugh, okay, this again.
0: Here we go. Oh god. Well, what rating would you get this episode? The uh the first one out the hatch. I'm going to call it, even though it's technically the second.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just start with a solid B
0: yeah i i feel the same way a b plus i really enjoyed this episode i was happy to watch it again i could have kept writing notes but i was so tired that i was like okay jess calm down like we we try to only talk for you know 45 minutes to an hour on one of these episodes i'm like if i write down any more it's going to be a three-hour episode um but i think it was a really good reintroduction to the show and um yeah I'm curious to see what, what comes next. Yeah, set up some good stuff to come. Exactly.
1: And what would Betty do? Okay, so this is technically still a note from the episode, but I thought this was really funny for Charles to say. He said this to Betty when he finds her reading some sort of file he left open under her desk. He said, this is what you do when I'm not around. You read classified information. And my response to that is, um, duh, have you met Betty
0: i <laughs> love it love it yeah i mean betty was in her ultimate nancy drew uh brain for this episode i think there was a lot of investigation that she was doing and i think she na- she nailed it yeah i agree she was great and allegedly she did it all in a see-through top so there you go yep Everyone's happy all round, I guess. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, on that note, we will leave you all to it and we will catch you next week for another episode of Betty Squared. Bye. Bye.